Hello, this is Gary. Listening to Thinking Out Loud. On my last podcast, the topic was American Dream. That today, July 21st, Tuesday. Just kind of continue that topic line and kind of talk about various things going on in the country and whatnot. Um, I like doing this podcast because it's just a way to get the thoughts out. It's a weird time for conversing about politics. Because with most people, you can just sort of make the assumption that, you know, they loathe Trump, you know. Most people don't like Trump. You know, the people that love him, they really love him. They kind of make sure that you're aware of it, you know. Like, uh, 4th of July, my uh, baby mama was at a little party that I went to for a bit and was there for about two minutes and then noticed the big old keep America great or make America more great or whatever. Whatever the fuck the 2020 slogan is for Trump. A big old banner hanging proudly in the kitchen. Just like, oh, God. Some people, it's not, like, too surprising. Like, you know, if they're kind of stupid. You know, if they're kind of, like, obviously ignorant and and, and different to politics. It's not too surprising that they turn out to be a Trump supporter. But sometimes it... Occasionally, it you know catches me off guard as as to what someone's political leanings are. I find that it seems to be the most common reason is just kind of indifference or ignorance, lack of information, or just being dismissive of uh, certain information sources. I guess you know an abundance of them, and just being very limited on what information they sources they get their news from it like f at all you know um it's one of the things about you know the media age and access to so much information in this country is you can kind of pick and choose what information you choose to digest uh it's not like the old days where there's just three channels you know if you turned on the tv you're going to hear about there's a particular story you're going to hear it um but there's, yeah, there's a lot of people that just don't quite fully understand the what's been happening to this country over the last few years and what the trajectory is if we were to maintain, you know. There seems to be uh, indications that the election is not going to go in Trump's favor and possibly by even a landslide you know, pretty massive margin of victory for Biden. But that's just polls, you know. All the polls had Hillary Clinton winning in 2016. The one thing those, a lot of those polls forgot uh, is that there is only two political organizations, and if one organization has a, has the president, especially if it's Democrat, for two terms, that means the other organization uh, is, is going to be the next one. So... 
that's kind of the that's the main reason there is a margin of error of you know five six percent saying that Trump could win because it was the Republicans turn to win in 2016 that's that's one of the things we only get we're only presented two options there are other options they're just not deemed uh, worthy of media coverage you know so um, so it's really just Republican or Democrat that those are the two choices you get and a Democrat was president for two terms so that means that the 2016 president was going to be a Republican that's just just kind of how it goes but uh, they almost screwed it up because they picked you know a, a famous con man as their nominee there was just enough people in 2016 who, who actually didn't know that uh, Mr. Trump was a con man. They, they actually thought he was a famous, successful businessman, self-made and stuff. There's, there's people genuinely that genuinely believe that, like to this day even, you know. So it's kind of, uh, you know, it's it's a weird time in America. There's, there's sort of overt, obvious truths that are kind of in your face sometimes. And then uh, people, and then large swaths of the population that just, just chooses to not believe it. And they just choose to believe a different story that was just kind of made up, you know, and that's what they want to buy into. And they, and they believe that buying into that myth is going to somehow lead to their prosperity S somehow. Um, and, and it's weird, too, because I, th I think, you know, that if Trump was to somehow stick around for a second term or something, and it was just we descended further into just madness and chaos and uh, and even widening, further widening of the wealth gap, those people that support him, would, they, would just, they would just keep supporting him. I, I think it's just going to be such a slow trickle off of his hardcore people until, like, certain... Uh, diehards within the group start leaving and start convincing others to go with them uh it's going to stay a pretty strong contingency in this country the the, the trump mega folk uh the american fascist movement how many of those folks actually understand and know that that's what they are su supporting um probably not too high i mean there are some people the people that know that Trump's a fascist, that support him, are the people that, you know, absolutely support fascism. Like, you know, like Nazis. You know, Donald Trump said there's fine people on both sides. That's Charlottesville. Referring to Nazis and the civilians who were defending their city from Nazis. There was fine people on both sides, including the Nazis that killed a woman and, you know, the, the innocent civilians defending their town unarmed civilians find people on both sides in trump's mind um you know so you know that those kind of folks those kind of uh you know nazis and Aryan nation type assholes they're they're all about trump because they, they fully understand what he is you know he's he's a fascist he's promoting fascism uh system of government where you oppress anyone that is deemed different or other or whatever for what really you could just sort of oppress people violently or militarily 
just because you feel like it. That's kind of what fascism is. Anyone that falls out of line pays, uh, face, faces se severe consequences. Uh, there is no freedom of speech. There's no freedom of press. There's no freedom of religion. Um, all those things are strictly controlled. Uh, it's very much a government of control. Well, I think a lot of people that support him and then get very defensive about the, when the top issue of fascism comes up is they don't understand that fascism morphs itself and changes. It's not going to be the exact same thing in each country in, in obviously in a different time. Fascism in Germany in the 1930s is different than the United States in 2020. It's a, it, it, it's a different animal, but it comes from the same kind of thing. Authoritarian, strong, well, not a strong leader in Trump, but, you know, authoritarian and sort of uh, violent rhetoric, sort of over-aggression, uh, limiting of religion, a sort of dismissing of press and uh, limiting access of press, uh, lying, cheating, th those are all tend to go with it too. And fascist governments tend to be pretty corrupt too because they don't really care about being accountable to the people. A fascist governments aren't designed to represent the people. They pretend to. It, so there's there's a lot of uh, propaganda in fascism. So a lot of false information that are that's presented as a truth, even though it's not. It, it's a mental mind fuck. Fascism does it fucks with your mind. Uh, that's kind of the whole point of it. Uh, beat people into submission. Um, so one of the things that's been happening is uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, kind of my one of my second hometowns. My dad's lived just outside of Portland most of my life. Uh, was invaded by federal troops. From which department? Under what orders? It's unclear. What is their specific objective within the parameters of the Constitution? Uh, it's not really clear. Um, you know, why are they in combat gear and firing tear gas? and rubber bullets, and injuring civilians, exercising their constitutional rights? Well, some of the pundits, their theory is that it's a test run. Try out Portland, Oregon. The kind of, uh, you know, the, where the weirdos are, and the hippies, and artists, and all kinds of interesting folk. Kind of a culturally vibrant city. Um, fairly diverse. Try it there. Very liberal. Relatively, although there's a strong mix of conservative too, there, that's it's it's a melting pot. It's one of those melting pot kind of cities. It's all kinds of people in Portland. So try it there, you know, in a state where that goes pretty blue by and large. So where Trump has a following, but he's it's certainly in the minority. See how people react uh, when you invade their city with federal troops who are not having any sort of identification on or any sort of thing saying who they are or why they're there. And then have them just start beating up civilians, uh, you know, uh, dragging them away and putting them in an unmarked van and just kind of whisking them away. Or if someone's just standing there trying to talk to you, just start beating them with a baton. And, um, you know, I think those pundits' theory that Portland was a, just a test run, I think is probably pretty accurate, you know. 
um, yeah. How how soon is it before he tries this on other cities? How soon before you because you, you you come in hot and you set the precedent with Portland that yeah you you're coming in there and you're gonna be acting violently, you're gonna be acting super aggressive. Other cities, other people are seeing Portland and they're gonna you know they're gonna come up with ways to respond. What what do you do? You're exercising your right as an American. You're in the streets, just in the streets talking, basically. You know, waving signs around, speaking your mind. Perfectly legal in the United States of America. Now, other parts of the world, it's it's illegal. But in the United States of America, that's perfectly legal. So what do you do? You are doing nothing illegal. You're doing things that are perfectly within your rights as a citizen of this country. And all of a sudden, this... Uh, military force descends upon your section of the city and just starts closing in, starts firing tear gas, starts firing rubber bullets at you. You see a person next to you get hit by the rubber bullet and their head hits the ground and they start bleeding profusely. You find out later that person had to have facial reconstructive surgery and is still in the hospital. What do you do? What do you, what are you supposed to do? So, you know, we, we see these images in Portland and it's like, what are we supposed to do here? You know, Th those those soldiers or whatever they are, border patrol and stuff, are invading American cities under the direct, uh, you know, uh, orders of the sitting American president. And, and what is their objective? It seems their objective is to incite violence, to cause riots, to cause civil disobedience to even grow greater, to cause chaos. You know, that, that seems to be their purpose. And the reason that seems to be their purpose is because they've been there a while now and those things have escalated. There's now more violence. There's more rioting now that they are there. Because their their purpose is not to de-escalate. Their purpose is to escalate, to make it more tense, to try and provoke people into violent action. Again, you're in the street. You're just a person. You don't have any weapons on you. You don't even you don't have even have like a stick or anything. Maybe you have a, a water bottle that you know, just a plastic water bottle. Because you've been drinking water, you've been in the sun all day, so you have a plastic water bottle. That's it. Just your, your body, and maybe you have a backpack on. What What are you supposed to do if this, you know, non-discreet or this discreet army that you don't know who they are or where they're from or why they're there just start firing stuff on you and then start? They start beating your friends with a baton right next to you. And then they start coming towards you. Well, what do you do? Uh, like, some people are going to say, well, I'm going to just turn and run. Some people are going to say, maybe let's lock arms and just make a barricade. And maybe just crouch down and just take a few hits. Some are just going to say, I, I, 
they're going to say, fuck it. And they're going to go at them. They're going to fight back. They're going to say, how many are deployed to whatever city? Well, there's 10,000 of us. There's only 100 or so of them. Yeah, they're armed, but we just have, you know, hands and feet. We're just people, unarmed civilians, unarmed Americans. But we are Americans, you know. We're the descendants of the people that fought in the Revolutionary War, uh, became traitors to Great Britain by declaring their independence. And then Great Britain immediately sent over this big massive army to uh, squelch that declaration. And a long bloody war was fought after. You know, that's how our country was founded. So, you know, that is how our country was founded. But that was the 13 original colonies. So now we got this this famous dipshit, a, a famous con man, you know, that, and that is what that is his story. I don't know why that became confused over the years. Like he he was a famous fucking asshole, Donald Trump, a famous arrogant prick, famous for being racist, sexist, stupid, bankrupting companies, being one of the worst businessmen of all of America. That last part didn't become more clear until re more recently, but it was, you know, it was, I, I always thought that the, the stupid book of his, like The Art of the Deal, was meant to be kind of almost like tongue-in-cheek. Like people read it almost like like, uh, like a satire almost. Like, I, I mean, I never read the book. Why would I read a book by Donald Trump? Of course, Tony Schwartz wrote The Art of the Deal, not, not Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the subject of the book, The Art of the Deal. Donald Trump doesn't read or write. So Tony Schwartz is the guy that actually wrote that book. But anyway, Washington, D.C., 2,000 miles away, the guy that got them president is uh, this famous idiot, you know. And But because our country has become so big, he, that idiot, that con man guy, w was able to become president even though he didn't have the most votes. Because every state gets a certain number of electoral votes. Each state gets two senators. These states, some of them are just these sort of arbitrarily designed, allocated spaces. Like the reason there's the four corners, you know, four states that all meet at one point. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of the fucking desert. But uh, what is it? Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, Arizona? That? Oh, fuck, I forget what the four are. But anyway, <clears throat> it's just four states that kind of meet at a point. But it's just a, it's just a random spot in the middle of nowhere. It, there isn't like it, there isn't like a true natural divider there. It's just an imaginary line in the middle of the countryside, middle of the desert there, you know. And that's how a lot of the states are drawn. So it's, you know, because because our country has become so big, and we have some of these weird archaic laws that were some of them were made when like slavery still existed it, it, you know and that's why that particular law was made and then and then we only get two organizations really that represent us too but the, the reason we're presented only two is because the media and those two organizations spend a lot of money to make sure that it's only presented that we have two but there actually are a bunch of other options. Green Party, Libertarian Party, 
Socialist Party, uh, Constitutionalist Party. There's the main other ones. But there's there's other ones, too. I mean, there's even a Communist Party that's on the presidential ballot. I mean, why anyone would vote for a Communist, though? I don't, you know, I don't, whatever. But it's America, so you can you can believe whatever you want to believe. believe follow any whatever political system you want. At least that's the idea. That's what it's. That's what we have in our writing. Is that you have the freedom of religion, freedom of speech. You have the the right to your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. These are all rights. But, um, you know, in in Portland, Oregon, American citizens were exercising the rights. Yeah, there there was there was some property damage happening in certain parts of the city. And some people are just so mad that they're just refusing to abide by a curfew. A curfew is not a reasonable reason to send in federal troops. And the property damage and such, those are, you know, in most cases kind of misdemeanor crimes that the police can solve uh, and investigate on, you know, on breaking on priority or whatever, you know, how, however important it is to solve the crime of, you know, someone spray painting the word fuck on a, on a Portland police station or whatever the heck it is, you know, however important it is to solve that crime and then they can investigate and, you know, interview people and try to find, find and catch the suspects that spray painted fuck on the police department door, you know, but, the reality is property damage and stuff like that and, and some small theft, those are relatively minor crimes. Portland is a big city. It does have, you know, bigger crimes going on. So a bunch of people just not abiding by a curfew, some property damage happening here and there. The mass portion of people that are protesting, though, aren't, aren't engaging in the uh, quote-unquote riots. The riots is always going to be a small portion. It's kind of like back in the day when I'd go to a concert and, there, you know, there'd be the mosh pit. Throughout the concert, you know, there'd be a sea of people. There'd be about maybe like at some of the bigger, bigger concerts, outdoor festival. And then there'd be like in the front there by the stage, that kind of that mosh pit. But then even within the mosh pit, there'd be like what we called the snake pit. And that would be where people would kind of like create like a circle space where like, you know, just a small group of people could like get really freaking rowdy. You got to be careful going in there. You might get punched in the face or something. People just be kind of swinging around. Usually it wasn't really like so much that it was violent. It was just that the movements were aggressive. You know, they're not really necessarily fighting. It's just they're swinging around more. So, you know, if you want to jump in there, you know, you might get kicked or punched or something. So, you know. So it's just there's kind of levels. And the same kind of thing is with like these protests that happen in cities. There'll be a lot of people that'll just be kind of there, you know, and uh, they, they're just there to be a part of it. And they're, and so they're there. They're, they're citizens of America out in the streets of a city. No, there, there's no illegality there, they're, you know. And there's other people that might be more like organizing and, and kind of marching and, and have a megaphone in their hand brought signs and stuff. So a little, maybe a little bit more active in the actual protesting, but exactly still legal. You know, if 
And then another level might be some people that are in that group that are very mad and angry and protesting might start uh, climbing things or something so they can get a higher position and shout out stuff. It's slightly less legal and maybe it's like an ordinance violation or something if you're you know trying to climb a, a street pole, street light or something and or trying to scale some government building, you know. Um, it's still a relatively minor crime. And then an even smaller faction, though, within that sort of quote-unquote riot group of rioters um, are actual rioters. Now, these people may not have... These people are usually more like uh, anarchists, like, like Trump is referring to. So it's really the smallest portion of the protest group is are, are like just pure anarchists. They're just they just want the anarchy. They just want the chaos. So they just want the destruction and and the enjoyment of. of they want to bring the whole thing down. So whatever group is protesting, or if there's a large enough group of people in the streets, there's always going to be this kind of small contingency of people that. Again, their political beliefs may have nothing to do with the majority of people that are in the streets. They're just using, you know, that kind of distraction to, to cause kind of malicious mischief. So these are the people that are going to, like, break a store window and then try to steal stuff out of it. Uh, there'll be leaders in that bunch that'll kind of instigate trouble. And then they'll, they'll be able to uh, pull along some, you know, some helpers and some followers that'll uh, engage in that kind of activity. This is a very small percentage of the overall group. And then within the sort of main marching group of people, you'll have leaders within that group that will notice the people doing bad things and will try to stop it. They will try to prevent them from tarnishing their message. You know, we're in the, the, the people in Portland were in the streets to protest police brutality. You know, that, that's why they're there. So... You know, a, a police officer stuck his neck or stuck his knee on, on a man's neck, George Floyd's neck, a while back. Several minutes, nearly nine minutes, slowly suffocating the man to death. I was caught on video. A police officer murdered a civilian in cold blood in broad daylight on a city street with all the world watching. Yeah, you, you, you bet your fucking ass there's a lot of people pissed off about it, black and white, and they have every right to be. And so they're exercising their right and taking to the streets and, and, and speaking out loud about it. And again, they have every right to do that. When you, when you have that level of anger and unity as well, a lot of people that are angry all together, you're going to get a wide variety of different responses. The problem is most recently is the Trump regime has decided that any sort of protest, any sort of uh, rejection of his style of government, which is a style of fascist government, that's what Trumpism is. It's a it's American fascism. Okay, it's. I, th I think a lot of people are dismissive of this idea uh, that support him because he's such a incompetent idiot. You know, he, he's 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 very kind of dim witted and lazy and so i think usually you associate that kind of fascist dictator with like a sort of speed freak or something it's kind of a you know it's sort of manic kind of 
extremely intense type of thing or whatever. But um, not the reality is he did send troops to Portland. You know, he he has done things. Executive orders been signed that have had real world effects on people. You know, I'd be curious to see like what. What is the positive benefit, direct positive benefit that Donald Trump has had on <clears throat> a single working class person? Like, I don't even, they'll probably start talking about the, the, the China trade deal thing or something. And it's like, how the fuck does that have a day-to-day -day positive benefit on, you know, like how? You know, there's tariffs now and. Chinese goods that are imported, right? So that means you you got to pay more for stuff that comes from China now. That, that, oh, that I don't. It's just so. But maybe, just maybe, uh, this thing that's he did in Portland. Maybe that's the thing. That's the bridge too far. Maybe that's finally. But I kind of doubt. It. I think that's why Portland was the test case because it's a. Uh, it, a lot of people's minds, it's a quote unquote liberal city, even though it's it's not. It, it's a it's a, a forward thinking city. It's a multicultural city, so that tends to be viewed as just like a liberal city. If it, if you're diverse, progressive, forward thinking, innovative, uh, you know, lots of parts of the country just assume that you're liberal. But there's lots of conservatives, and you know, there's strong. Republican contingencies throughout Portland. It's not all a bunch of hippies and liberals, you know. It's, it's all kinds of people in Portland. But I think the perception is that it's a liberal city. So I think that's why he wanted to test it there. I think he's really making a push to really make a very clear line. Uh, he's expecting his supporters to stay loyal and to continue to support him. And he's making it clear that that's all he wants. He just wants the continued absolute support of the people that supported him in 2016. And I think he believes that if he just gets those same people again, all of them, that'll be enough. I mean, it was enough in 2016. Could he do it again? The distinct possibility. Because again, in this country... And we created a strange law way back in the 19th century uh, that the president becomes president not by getting the most votes, but by winning the Electoral College. The reason that law was invented or created was to appease slave states back in the 19th century. Yeah, to appease slave states, states that had legalized slavery. Yeah. So, because a lot of slave states had lower populations and stuff, so and but they all tend to vote one way. So by making it uh, kind of an all or nothing type thing, <clears throat> where you know you you win the state, quote unquote, then you get basically one hundred percent of the electoral votes for that state. 
It's a way to make kind of rural states a little bit more, have a little bit more power than they really should. And it's a way to make densely populated states have less power. Uh, electoral college is just stupid. It should have been abolished years ago. I, 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 I don't even like getting into the sort of debates or when they try to, it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, we have, you know, state representatives, and then we have the House of Representatives and the Senate. So there already is things that are specific to very small regions and then slightly bigger regions. So there already is that. For the president, person that's leading the whole country, it should be every person votes, and then whoever, you know, the people vote for, that's who becomes the president. 2016 was the uh, worst loss ever in the popular vote to still become president. How many times does that need to happen before it's pushed too far? Um, 2020 might be the, the first true test because there's a lot of states where the pundits are like, oh, he might actually lose this time, but he might not. So he might win all the states he won last time and then just enough or, you know, most of the states he won last time and then just enough of the kind of you know, battleground states are quote unquote to edge out an electoral college victory, but then maybe lose the popular vote by who knows some massive margin. He lost by 3 million last time, nearly 3 million. What if he lost the popular vote by 10 million votes? What if in, you know, the left leaning states or blue, uh, a lot of the quote unquote blue states, there's just massive voter turnout. Well, those states, yeah, it, it, Washington could double the number of people that vote. The electoral votes would be exactly the same. There's no difference, you know. If uh, whether 10 million people vote in, in Washington state or 20 million people vote in Washington state, there's just a certain number of electoral votes. And I don't know it off the top of my head. Probably should know, I guess, but... I think the Electoral College is stupid, so I don't really make a point to memorizing it. The ones that I do know are like Wyoming has three. I think North Dakota and South Dakota each have three because they have two senators and one representative. The real small states like that. All three of those are going to go to Trump. So you'll, you'll kind of clean house on the ones that go red anyway. But he's so bad that uh, he might actually lose some of the states that are quote-unquote red. But he still has approval that's around 40%. It's just amazing. I can't believe it's that high. It's just crazy. But that's all polling, though. And polling's all bullshit. One of the things about going to college is that as much as I thought it would like just automatically lead to a better career and lots of money and stuff like that, or at least I kind of hoped, but it really there's just, you know, more knowledge you know, better understanding of the world. Sometimes I wonder if I know, learn too much, you know. One of the classes that was the most uh, insightful and kind of made, made me better understand parts of the world and just like, or the way the world is presented was advanced statistics, which was just uh, one of the required classes for a business degree. Once you take advanced statistics, you, you you can't ever see a poll in the same way again. You, you can't ever really f truly trust it. I'm always looking for the for the thing on the bottom, 
the fine print. What was the sample size? And that's the that's the big one to look at a lot of these surveys. Some of these sample sizes, some of these, you know, the number of people that took the survey is like less than 2,000. I, I mean, that's interesting. We randomly, you know, surveyed 2,000 people, and this is what they said. Hmm. Hey, you know, the, the population of our country, though, is over 300 million. So, you, you know, you basically interviewed 0% of the populace. And so how accurate is that going to be? Well, not very. So your margin of error is massive. So, But they never really fully explain. They just say the margin of error is X. That's It's a little more nuanced than that. It's more like... It's probably, it's more like with 95% certainty, Trump's approval rating is between 15 and 45% or something like that. Actually, and then with with 99% certainty, it's, it's probably an even bigger range, like maybe as low as 10%, maybe as high as 6%, with a 1% chance that it's outside of those parameters. And that's the reality. The reality is, is that with those surveys, depending on the sample size relative to the population, is going to give you the the accuracy of that. And then the accuracy is going to give you how big of a range you're going to have to have. So if it's only, if it's 95% accurate, you can have a pretty narrow range. So if you, you know, but if you want it to be 99% accurate, it's going to have to be a, a wider range. So in other words, if you want to say, you take the survey and it's, you, you want it to be like a real low range. You like you want it to be like plus or minus five percent. You know, well then you're gonna have to be only ninety five percent accurate. But they they never tell you what what it is that they're you know what standard deviation. They they kind of just leave it pretty basic and just kind of expect the average person to kind of know. So it'll say Trump's approval rating is forty two percent. Uh, with plus or minus three, or something, but is that is that is that ninety nine percent accurate or is that ninety five percent accurate? Because if it's ninety five percent accurate, that means there's a five percent chance that it could be even lower than that, or possibly even higher. So, you know, it it just be like who takes these surveys? I, I haven't taken one of those political surveys in years. You know, but they post them up all you know every every few weeks. I don't really think they mean a whole lot. I don't know. There's uh, there's definitely still a lot of Trump folk out there, or at least they're uh, you know they're online anyway. How many of them are bots and stuff? I don't know, but I know in the town I'm living in, there's 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 a good strong contingency of uh, Trump folk. Um, kind of a. It's not too surprising. It's a town that's that's pretty white, you know. It's, it, it's probably like ninety percent white, five or six percent Latino. Pretty pretty small Asian population and African American population. But I mean, it's it's a very white place. So I think some of those pockets of the country, when you get like a overabundance of white people, you get kind of a you, you kind of get that sort of a Trump thing kind of permeating throughout the community. 
<coughs> like, um, but this is kind of a weird little town for as small as it is. There's kind of a wide spectrum of political views. <coughs> it's a lot of, uh, you know, people that support Black Lives Matter in this in this little town. But then there's also a lot of people that are diehard MAGA folk. So it's a uh, it's a mix, especially for such a tiny little place. A lot of people that are from all all over, you know. But I don't know. I'm worried about this country. I'm I'm uh, I think we I think we may have just gone a little too deep into because a, a country electing someone like Trump. That's I mean Trump's not the He's not the cause of all our woes. He's just kind of a symptom. And, you know, that the United States of America is a, con- it's a country that lost its way a long time ago. And when, when it specifically was, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to say. But, like, I was in college when the Patriot Act was passed, you know, like, gave the government the ability to eavesdrop on its citizens and stuff, you know. And that's all old news. You know, the people that were born when that law was passed are, you know, getting ready to go to college and stuff if they're not already, you know, like that was a, that was a generation ago. feels like it was fairly recent, but that was, that was a while, you know, and we've been, so we've been kind of descending down this for a while. And I think it's kind of the mix of kind of, uh, you know, media and kind of the, abundance of information and sort of money and greed and power, lust and stuff. Um, it, I mean, like the years leading up to Trump's presidency, why was the ranting racist ravings of some old stupid white guy, why was that news, you know? What, like, it, it's like part of, the, of, of our history now. You're gonna. They're gonna have to show like Trump claiming that Barack Obama was not an American, or was not born in America, or whatever. Just blatant, stupid, ignorant racism. Kind of an an overt, in-your-face kind of racism. Not much subtlety to it. Kind of just he's he's just going for. It. He just kind of leaned into it. Uh, just to kind of see what the response would be. But and it was covered as news. That's the part that just kind of confused me. Um, you know, a person like David Duke would love that kind of publicity. David Duke said something racist today. Yeah, he's a famous racist, so it's not really news, you know. But somehow Trump was able to find that that little—I don't know—that that little pocket of fame to where, although many people knew him or, or or at least their understanding of him was that he was a famous bankrupt con man racist guy that that's that that's what he was you know that's what he was famous for really you know uh he, he was a well-known racist public figure you know it it, it wasn't a secret or at least i, n- I never thought it was I, I thought everyone knew, but uh, apparently a lot of people didn't. So that and that, but that's I guess the reason it was covered as news, 
is because either the news forgot that uh, you know back in the late eighties, early nineties, he put an ad in the New York Times demanding to bring back the death penalty. Uh, he, he wanted the five teenagers accused of a crime to be executed, and he wanted them to be executed because they were minorities. That's why he knew they were guilty, because they were minorities, because he's a racist, a famous one, a famous racist. This is, how did that get missed? <laughs> you know, why are we so distracted as a country that someone that's in the limelight that much and then like making a presidential run, you know, it, it gets lost in translation somehow that, oh, oh no, no, he's, He's no good. He's, he's not someone you trust or anything, no. But he's also not news because he's been doing the same shtick for 20, 30 years, you know. Just saying stupid shit, fucking up, and then that's it. <laughs> that's all he does. So, I don't, I, I don't know what it is that um, the people who are supporting him, seeing him, because if what they love about America is is that you know you have freedom and their you know the freedom of religion and the the freedom of speech and you just you have the ability to pursue your dreams in this country. What are their dreams? I guess you know, like what what is. Like, what is honor to them? What is integrity? What is working hard? You know, what is having empathy for others? And maybe it's just that those things just aren't important to them. They, they don't need a leader to have integrity or honor or to be truthful or to be empathetic to others. Maybe it, it's just not important to them. It, it can't just be that they don't know that he isn't he doesn't have those attributes. It, it, it's like I keep w wanting to try and understand what it is that the people who continue to support him, what it's really about. What, what is what is going on there? Part of one of my one theory is that it's just the the enjoyment of making people who have different political views mad, and and the sort of enjoyment that. And sticking it to the liberal or whatever. Another one theory is that it's just ignorance or just lack of information, and I think that that's, that's a lot of it. I, and I think another reason that some of them are sticking with them is just sort of pride. You know, I think if if you've been openly boastful. Like very loud and vocal and proud about your support of Mr. Trump over the last three, four years. It just makes it that much more difficult to turn face and 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 move in a different direction. Uh, the the easiest would be to just stop supporting him. You don't have to make some big announcement, but maybe they've built it up in their head that they have to, that they have to like, you know. But there's still plenty of people online and stuff and TV and stuff that are, you know, waving the, the Trump flag around and kind of going all in still. I'm hoping that it's dying out though. I'm hoping this uh, Trump 
weird, surreal time kind of moves on. Because, yeah, well, that's because, I mean, that that's the thing. You know, federal troops invade the city of Portland. Those people are protesting police brutality. But it's also the corona fucking virus is still going on. You know, there's still fucking people dying every day. You know, there's still tons of people catching it every day. The federal response is, oh, it's not that bad. Send your kids back to school. If you don't, we're going to stop funding your school. Like, fuck you, man. You know, like, what the fuck? Like, it, 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 it's such a, it, 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 how are you supposed to process all this? You know, how are you supposed to function in the world and in, in this country? How are you supposed to thrive when the president of the United States is saying, send your kids to school, even though you know that doing that could be a risk to your health and their health? Like, like, what the fuck? And then he's going to say, if you, if you don't send your kid to school, I'm going to stop funding your school. Like, and then at the same time, you're thinking, wait, my kids were homeschooled the last several months, and, but, and the cases are now worse than they were several months ago. Why can't we just continue doing homeschool for a bit? You know, the, the teachers were still creating lesson plans and still grading papers and stuff. The kids just had to, they just had to do all their schoolwork at home. And then uh, Zoom meetings, you know, a couple hours a day or whatever, meeting with their teacher and getting some form of interaction. But yeah, uh, that's probably what needs to happen, at least at the start of the fall quarter, uh, is um, just kind of going to have to hunker down for a bit. Uh, maybe some schools that are, you know... Like the United States of America, so not every school district is is uh, funded evenly. You know, <laughs> if you live in a rich area, wealthy area, you can afford to get do whatever you got to do, whatever improvements the CDC originally recommended. Yeah, the rich schools are going to have no problem whatsoever doing that. Poorer communities, though, they're going to have a much tougher time. And so, obviously, Mr. Trump is more than happy to cut funding altogether to those kind of schools. Because those are the kind of schools that are the most susceptible to stuff like this. Poorer schools, you know, diverse communities, you know, yeah, he, he, that's what it's about. You know, it's, he wants to cut funding to those kind of schools. He doesn't want to have to pay for some, <sighs> anyway, it's not like it's him paying it anyway. American taxpayers pay. And, uh. If the United States of America had any balls whatsoever, it'd start making corporations pay their share too. You know, like a big massive company, you should be paying some decent tax. If you want to complain about it, then stop paying your CEO two hundred million a year or whatever the fuck. You know, you cut a few million off of that, it frees up quite a bit of money. So it's uh yeah, I don't know, man. We're getting, uh, we're entering kind of a crossroads situation here in the United States of America. We could uh, kind of veer off this crazy nosedive into the depths of insanity that uh, Trump represents, and uh, but or we can kind of steer back to a sort of just something a little bit more closely resembling normal, you know, there's a country where there is principles, there is 
you know, a code of ethics, a code of morals. There is a standard of conduct, a way to carry oneself as a president. You know, um, there's a, a certain level of professionalism with the leadership, you know, um, a certain respect uh, that the person that has the job is going to have for the job and for the country that he or she is representing. I think it sounds like it'll be he with Joe Biden, but uh, that would just be nice. You know, it, it's good to know that the leader of your country actually has respect for themselves, respect for the citizens, and respect for the country and the principles that it professes to adhere to. You know, Donald Trump doesn't have any of those things. He doesn't have any respect for himself, for the citizens. He, he has no integrity, no honor. Uh, he has no empathy or love for others at all. You know, he, he, he is everything not to be in life. If, he, if my children told me, when I grow up, I want to be Donald Trump, I would be devastated. I would be devastated. And I would have to talk to them, you know. He is not someone to aspire to. He is a horrendous person who made horrible choices throughout his life and spent his entire life simply focusing on accumulating money and exploiting others. He did nothing to improve the world. He's a wretched, wretched soul. Pray for him because he could have been, you know, but there was obviously some... There was there was like a, a you know a small grain of kind of uh, of something that could have been possibly you know a decent human being there, but that was squelched and um, muted out long, long, long ago, decades ago. Uh, Trump fully committed him to himself to this life of treachery and greed and exploitation uh, decades ago, you know, and and. I, I don't think he would even, you know, it, yeah, it's, it, it's a, it's a sad story. You know, it, I, I don't really, I have no hatred towards Trump. It's, it's more just pity and, um, you know, just, it, he's just a sad, pathetic person, you know, and he's the president of the United States. It's just embarrassing. The presidency of the United States of America is going to be maybe not forever tarnished, but it's going to it, it's not going to have the same lore or whatever for a while. Uh, he has tarnished that job and that tarnish is going to last a while. Joe Biden, of all people, is not just going to instantly snap it back to awesomeness or something. He is going to obviously be an improvement. Donald or er, Joe Biden is a decent human being. You know, he has values. He knows how to carry himself in public. He knows how to speak to the public in a coherent sentence. He knows how to stay on topic and such. Um, yeah, he he has served the public before, you know, both as a senator and as vice president. He is a statesman. And again, he knows how to carry himself in public, how to be a leader how to carry oneself with respect and dignity and honor. Regardless of what his political views are, who he is as a person, he's a decent human. I, I don't agree with all of his political views, some of the choices he's made in the past, but he's a decent man. 
George W. Kind of the same, the same thing. He was a decent human being. He had his some of his demons and stuff, and again, some of his choices and some of the people he surrounded himself. I didn't like too much, but you know, he, there was humanity in him. Donald Trump just doesn't have any of that, you know, and, and he. He, I think he suffocated that side of himself out and kind of pushed it down long, long, long ago. And uh, if he gets elected in November, that 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 might do it, you know. That I because if if it, in his first term, while there's a pandemic going on, he sends troops to just sort of start beating up people in a city and then sort of casually threatens that he's going to start sending him to other cities. And that's in his first term. You know, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the mind just goes there. The, The obvious escalation of what Trump is already doing is, you know, you're talking, you're getting into civil war type stuff where you you have U.S. troops invading various cities and more of an invasion, not just wearing, not just shooting tear gas and rubber bullets, but then, you know, uh, firing real-ass fucking bullets. Who who shot first? All that kind of stuff. It'll it'll become one of those kind of things where Trump is going to pick the wrong city to kind of, you know, exert his force, and they're going to defend themselves and then but that'll but that's and that i think that's what trump is trying to do he's trying to provoke a fight and it was clear that those troops in portland that is exactly their intent is to try to provoke a fight they want the protesters to fire on them so that they have an excuse to fire on them you know you think you're going to have a lot of protesters going out if it they, they might not just get beat they, they could die at the hands of, you know, very lethal weaponry. I mean, that will, that scares people from speaking out, you know. Um, Trump's not that subtle, you know. So I, th- I think he, he's engaging in overt fascism right now, and he's just seeing if we're, if we give a shit enough to do much about it. Um it's going to take an incredible amount of restraint to not act violently and hoping people don't act violently because that's just playing right into his hands. He wants us to do that. How empowering would it be if, you know, we take the cue of all those moms in Portland that just locked arms and, you know, made a wall of mothers to protect all the protesters. I need more of that. We get enough of that kind of stuff, man. Enough people speaking their mind, and and we might uh, this country might be around for a while. Might be able to see our kids grow up in this country. It'd be pretty awesome. Got to get rid of Trump first. Get rid of by meaning not letting him win the next presidency. Voting for someone else besides him. So that's close to an hour there. I'll call it good. Stay safe, everybody. Wear your mask in public. Six feet. Social distancing. I'll get through it. Vote November. Don't vote Trump.
This is Gary. You're listening to Thinking Out Loud.